But Lord, thank you for you. And Lord, thank you for our time. Uh, Lord, really uh, the blessed time that we have uh, each Lord's Day together. And, and Father, thank you for what you have been teaching us about hope, biblical hope, what it is to live daily in confidence, in security, in certainty, Lord, uh, rather than anxiety and fear and uncertainty and insecurity. And, and Father, my prayer for us this morning as we open your word once again and continue to look at biblical hope, Father, that uh, we would understand very clearly that it's, it's a choice. It's simply a choice. It's not dependent on circumstances and even in the midst of trials and tribulations, Lord, we can choose hope. And that is my prayer today. I pray through your Holy Spirit you would help us to understand your word. And then, Lord, speak very specifically to us about the application. Lord, again, you say in James, we're to be hearers and doers. And if we're just hearers, we're deluded, we're deceived. And uh, Lord, that wasn't the purpose or intent of your word. So, so Lord, we love you, we love your word, and now ask you to do what only you can do through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been with us uh, since Easter, you know that the resurrection, the historical fact of the resurrection has launched us into a series on biblical hope, right? Really, uh, our faith and, and the notion of biblical hope, hope, the truth of biblical hope, goes all the way back to the resurrection. First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, right? So we have a living hope. We have a living hope that's supposed to impact you and me 24-7, 365, Right? And we've spent the last few weeks really trying to, to tear it apart, look at it. Right? We've seen that the world's definition of hope is really about uncertainty and insecurity, a, a, a hope so. It's hope so, whereas biblical hope, last week we kind of repeated it several times, is really what we call hope sure. Right? So you have hope so, the world, and you have hope sure. So question, just kind of rewind the tape, play back your tape for the last seven days since we covered this seven days ago. This past week, was your life characterized more by hope so, insecurity, uncertainty, or were you living your life more rooted and grounded in biblical hope, hope sure? Were you processing trials, tribulations? Ups and downs of this past week in sort of an insecure, anxiety, fear-ridden sort of paradigm? Or were you processing everything that came across your plate this past seven days through the biblical truth of hope? Sure. Biblical hope. Confident expectation. Right? John Piper says this, living hope is hope that has power and produces changes in life. This is what living means in Hebrews 4.12, where it says the word of God is living and effective. So Christian hope is a strong confidence in God, which has power to produce changes in how we live. And that's been my prayer for the last month. Have you experienced literal transformation change because of biblical hope? Because you have been waking up each morning and saying, Lord, no matter what happens today, I am absolutely confident in my future. Lord, no matter what happens today, I am 100% certain of who I am in Christ. I am 100% just rock solid, filled with biblical hope today. 
so world bring it on. Or have you awakened each morning saying, oh, oh Lord, please don't let it be too bad of a day. And Lord, please, please just help me get through today because I don't really know what's going to happen. And, and Lord, if you could just help me survive another day. Which one? Which one? Because really it's choice. Really it's hearing and doing. It's just a matter of choice, right? Alan Carr says this, Our hope is a living hope that is sure, certain, and real, as opposed to the deceptive, empty, false hope the world offers. You see, many in our day are pinning their hopes on their 401k plan. Many have their hope in the stock market. Some have their hope in their health or their family. This is a hope based in wishful thinking. When the New Testament uses the word hope, it does not refer to a fond wish or desire. It means a confident assurance based on the word of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that produces an excited response. So again, this past week, did you approach each day with enthusiasm, with an excited response, right? I shared with you before the day that I told my kids, hey, we're going to go see Avengers Endgame. They were lit. They were excited. I bought the tickets like three weeks early because I knew it was going to sell out. So they were excited when I bought the tickets. And then the day of, they were excited because they had a confident expectation that we were going to watch Avengers Endgame. That is how we're supposed to be living. That is the Christian, that is supposed to be the Christian norm. Because we know where we're going, that as you sit here as a believer in Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. Okay, one's, one's happy. One, we got one amen. Everyone else is like, what? My name's... But... As we sit here, your name, if you believe in Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. Okay, right? Oh, we, oh okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's really cool. Name's written in heaven right now. That's, kinda, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Isn't that kind of cool? It's kind of cool. I mean, well, what is that? Right? We're supposed to be like... We're talking heaven is our home. We're talking heaven is our home. We're talking as a child of God, nothing can touch your life that your father doesn't ultimately allow. We're talking as a child of God, all things work for your good. We're talking as a child of God, your father knows all your needs and you're not supposed to worry about anything. We're talking about as a child of God, you're to be anxious for nothing. What's, we talked about this. What, why, why, the, why the gap in that? Why do we affirm all of this stuff we hear on Sundays and read, and then we go and live completely different lives? What, what is that? Right? I read a book uh, speaking to believers, and he, the author called it Practical Atheism. He said a lot of people in the church are practical atheists. You just don't live what you believe. If, if, if someone were to look at your life, they could not see any difference between you and a non-believer in how you act, in what you say, in how you respond to circumstances. You're a practical atheist. It's very challenging. Do you really believe what you say you believe? And if you say yes, what if I asked your neighbor, your kid, your spouse, your teacher, your coach, your boss? Are you really believing this? Because if you're not, you're just spinning your wheels. You're just spinning your wheels, right? 
So hope, hope so versus hope sure, right? I had this wonderful ex- experience even just last night. And somewhere I was thinking about this, and, and uh, myself and my youngest daughter, uh, we were gifted some tickets to Stars on Ice, right? Stars on Ice down in the Honda Center last night. And every time I go through L.A., it's more like a hope so. You know, all day I'm looking at Google Maps. Oh, okay, where's the red? Where's the blue? What's the fastest? Right, and I'm just looking this, and I'm like, oh, I hope so, right? So it's like, okay, two and a half hours and all this, and you know, and you live in this sort of uncertainty, right? Hope so. I hope, it's, I hope traffic's not that bad. And you kind of like, I hope. I hope it's, you know, just this sort of uncertainty, this sort of blah, this sort of like, let's just endure this ride to the Honda Center, right? I think a lot of us live that way. I don't understand why as believers, right? I'm still trying to sort through that other than what we talked about last Sunday. You haven't settled some belief issues. You haven't settled some belief issues. Now, we moved up here in 1999. And so for the last 20 years, my, my family still lives in San Diego, so I've learned how to get through L.A., right? Typically, it's like, oh, dark 30, like 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning, or very late, right? And when we do that, it changes everything. I have this confident expectation we're just going right through, Right? And so I get in the car and I just know, okay, and it's not perfect because there can still be an accident and the humanness of it all. But as a, as a core, my whole sense of the drive is radically different when I expect confidently that there will be no traffic, even if it means leaving my house at 4.30. Everything changes. I'm very confident. I'm at peace, right? Yesterday, right? And then my maps, we get by the airport and the map says, you can go, you can save five minutes from your original, you know, we're going to go down the 405 down to Long Beach. He says, you can save five minutes by taking the 105 east. Five minutes. So I look at my daughter, I'm like, what do you think? Five minutes. Because we've already been in stop and go since UCLA down there. And I'm like, so five minutes sounds great, right? Until we get down the 105 east. And it's a parking lot. And I'm like, talking to my GPS. I'm like, Really? Are you going to admit now that the other way was faster? I mean, right? And I'm like, and it's just this, this whole struggle and this whole hope so and, you know, when is this going to be over? And I think sometimes in our Christian life we get caught up in this hope so. This whole hope so, insecure, survival mode. We're not really confident. We're just sort of, you know, just waiting to get to heaven. And I just don't believe that that's what God has for you and me. I don't believe that that's what God wants out of us understanding biblical hope, right? So what have we learned? We've seen that biblical hope is a person. It's Jesus. We learned that biblical hope is rooted in Scripture. We've learned that biblical hope impacts our joy, faith, and love. We've learned that biblical hope motivates us to be godly. Biblical hope is part of our testimony. Biblical hope is an anchor for our lives. Last Sunday, we focused, God wants us to abound in hope, right? Romans 15, 13, key verse from last Sunday. May the God of hope fill you, okay, fill you to the brim with all joy and peace in believing. That's your father's desire, is that you would be filled with all joy and peace. 
So I asked you last Sunday, I'll ask it again. If this is your joy and peace tank, where are you? Are you filled to the brim with all peace and joy? And if not, why not? Because he links it to believing. So it's a belief issue. There's a belief issue. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Abound is overflow. It's a river overflowing its banks. So this past week, those that were here last Sunday, this past week, did you overflow with biblical hope? Right? That's his desire. You're like, oh, I want to know God's will for my life. Romans 15, 13. There it is right there. Right? It's like sometimes we think that God is like, he's like playing a game with us. God, I want to know your will. What's your will? And we feel like he's hiding it behind his back. Pick, pick which hand, right or left. No, he doesn't do that. God's will is in his word. There's part of it right there. You want to know God's will for your life? Be filled with all joy and peace and believing and abound in the abound in hope that's his will for you so you ask yourself why what's going on then why why isn't it happening well last sunday we talked a lot about maybe there's issues of belief maybe you got to settle some real heartfelt issues if you really believe this do you really believe god's word is god's word do you really believe the resurrection it's belief it's belief. It's the same issue right now. As I, I said this almost every Sunday. It's the same thing you're doing with these chairs. You're exercising belief in the chair. You're like, well, how do you know? Because you're sitting. You're, you're exercising what we would call biblical faith in that chair you're sitting in. Your mind has assented. You know the information. Your mind has assented. You've agreed to the information that that can withhold your weight, and you actually sat in it. All those elements go into what we call biblical faith. So right now, in one sense, you're exhibiting what we would call biblical faith in the chair because you're fully committed to it. That's the level of faith you have to live in if you want to be experiencing Romans 15, 13 about everything. Especially specifically about hope. And if you don't have enough hope, we saw this story in Mark 9, 24, the father of this demon-possessed child, right? And what did he say? He said to Jesus, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And we saw last Sunday, that's a great prayer we should all pray. That is an incredible prayer. Some of you have grown and grown and grown in your walk, and here's the deal. How do you grow in your walk with Jesus? By doing the same thing over and over comfortably? No. No. You grow by being stretched, by being challenged. How many of you have ever lifted weights and you need a spotter? Anyone? You lifted weights. What does a spotter do? You're on the bench, right? And you got to like, whatever, 205, and you can do it pretty easy, right? But okay, but my goal is 225. I want to get to 225. So you want to get to 225. To get to 225, you cannot stay at 205. Right? But to get to 225, you might need a spotter, which means someone comes behind you and you're pushing at 210 and they're helping you. But you're going beyond what you can already do. Same thing spiritually. You've grown. God's done great things in your life. Right? Transformation. Question. What is he challenging you to do next? That scares you. That challenges you. That you may not even necessarily like or be comfortable with. Because it's in that area where you're going to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to forgive. 
Help me to go share my faith boldly. Help me to do, and you fill in the blank. What is it that he's stretching you to do? Because that's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to grow, right? And so we're going to continue looking at this, and we're going to look at, at this, this incredible privilege that we have, this incredible opportunity that we all have this room right here, to choose hope in the storms of life. Right? We've laid the foundation. And we're going to look at it in the context of a story in Acts 27. Okay? Acts 27 set the context. In Acts 25, the Apostle Paul has been arrested. And in the process of his arrest, he appeals to Caesar. Right? So they have to put him on a boat, a ship, and he has to sail to Rome. So that's what's happening. In Acts 27, a big storm, northeaster they call it, comes. Big, huge storm. Right? And so in Acts 27, 18, it says this. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Right? So they're on the ship. Big typhoon hurricane shows up. They're freaking out. They start throwing things overboard, doing everything they think is going to help so they don't sink and all die, right? Throwing gear overboard, storm doesn't abate, and it says they lost all hope. You ever been in that place in your life? You're in the middle of a hurricane, financially, relationally, spiritually, and you just start throwing things overboard. You're like in damage control. You're just like freaking out, and you're like doing whatever you think is going to fix this thing. You're just going crazy, right? And maybe you feel like them. And then you do that, you do that, and then you get to the place where you feel like all hope is gone. All hope is gone, right? Why even try anymore? I'm done, right? And it says in verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So he has this vision, this angel shows up, says, hey, Paul, don't worry about it. I know everyone's freaking out. I know everyone thinks all hope is gone. But God says, you're going to make it to Rome. You're going you're to stand before Caesar. And by the way, everyone on this ship is going to survive. Now, the ship's going to go down, but everyone, no life will be lost. So he gets this vision, this message, right? So he says this. So take courage. This is Paul talking to the crew. Here it is. For I believe God. It will be just as he said. Do you hear the hope in that? Do you hear the confident expectation? Do you hear the certainty? For I believe God. It will be just as he said. Do you believe that? Can you say that about your finances? Can you say that about your relationship? Can you say that about every area in your life? I believe God. It will be just as he said. That's biblical hope. That is a man in the midst of a hurricane when everyone else is freaking out, living biblically. Living based on the word of God, right? 
He says, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So he says, okay, this is what's going to happen. There's still going to be consequences, right? And then says this, Acts 27. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors' sense land was near. They dropped the weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. So Paul gives this great truth. You're all going to survive. They don't believe it. They say, "Eh, it's all good, but we're out of here. They try to sneak off the ship. They're going to like, hey, we're going to drop the anchor in the front. Wink, wink. And they're ready to skip the lifeboat and jump in the lifeboat off the front when no one's looking. And Paul's like, you do that, you die. They're still trying to scheme. They're still trying to figure it out on their own. They're still leaning on their own understanding. They're not believing. They're not resting in the word of God given to Paul. Right? They're scared. They're afraid. Oh, do you really do this? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, let's jump in the boat. That sounds like a better plan. How many of us in our life, at times, if you're honest, you will have felt like you have a better plan than God? Anyone? You know what God's word says, but you figured out a better way. You looked for the loophole, you found the loophole, so you believe, and now you're operating according to, you know, right? The new bill version of the scriptures. Right? How many of us, he's like, here, Paul told him, I had this supernatural vision, we're all going to survive. Oh, that's all good, but we got it figured out. We need to get in the boat. They're not believing. They're still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to work. They're still leaning on their own understanding, right? Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he, he will make your straight path, right? He will make your straight, your paths. How many of us still today, right now, there's an area in your life where you're not trusting God with all your heart? You're still trying to figure it out. You're leaning on your own resources, your own strength, your own smarts, your own money, your own whatever, your own strength, your own experience, your own, just call it your own, and you fill in. You're not trusting God with all your heart. You're still trying to figure it out. You're still leaning on yourself. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Boom. What do you do with that then? What do you do in your life when your thoughts conflict with God's thoughts? What do you do in your life when your ways conflict with God's ways? Who wins? Just a quick question. Who wins? Because if it's not God, then you're gonna, now you're wondering why you're not experiencing joy and peace and you're not abounding in hope. Because you're still the shot caller. You're still making the decisions. That's kind of what's going on here. That's kind of what's going on here, right? And then the story says in Acts 27, they hit, they run aground, every, the ship is destroyed, but they all make it to shore, right? 
It says, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Parentheses, just as God said it was. Right? So everything happened just as God said it was. And I looked at this story in light of what we've been studying, and I saw two, I saw two you know, two kind of groups of people, but in one sense it was just Paul and then the crew. And the crew's over here in the midst of a storm, same storm, but the way they process the storm is completely different. The crew's dealing with it in the human, doing everything they can, all their seamanship, all their experience, they're doing what they can, everything that worked in the past, yada, 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 all their training, here, here. Over here's Paul, same storm, got a word from God. And I'm just like challenged with that in my life and in your life. Whatever storm you face or are facing, how are you processing it? On your own self and understanding or are you seeking God in his word for how to work through it, right? And I thought about that because Hebrews 6, right, and, and, and this idea of, of how to process this, and I thought of biblical hope being an anchor, right? They dropped anchors in the, in the hurricane. And I'm like, Lord, wait. A couple weeks ago we saw that biblical hope is an anchor. Hebrews 6 says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Right? And we saw about hope being this anchor. This anchor. In the midst of a storm, question, what's your anchor? Is your anchor... Labeled self, or is the anchor hope in God and Jesus? Everything we've been studying, right? And there was a picture I showed you back in the, in the catacombs, right? Back in Rome, if you go to the, the catacombs, Christian tombs, they have anchors carved into them. Why? Because the early church was anchored in Jesus. That's why they put anchors there, right? It's powerful. It's powerful. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. Acts 27, really challenging about being anchored in hope, choosing hope, choosing to lean on myself or what God says, right? The sailors versus the Apostle Paul. And then I thought of Psalm 42. Look at Psalm 42. It says this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. The author of the psalm, he's going through it. He's going through in his own storm, right? He's thinking about he's being persecuted. People are saying, hey, dude, where's your God, man? He's getting hammered. People are like kind of mocking him. Hey, where's your God, right? And then he says, what does he remember? He remembers the good old days. He says, these things I remember, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. He goes, man, I remember the good old days. We'd go to the house of the Lord and to be joy and singing and praising, but all that's gone. And he's tanked. He's gone down. 
He's discouraged. He's in despair. He's depressed. Right? He's downcast. He's in turmoil. Right? All these words. He's deeply grieved. He's very sad. He's in, he's, he's in rage. It's in tur- it's, he's turbulent. His life right now is turbulent. He's in turmoil. And all he can do, why? Because he's thinking about, I remember when. I remember when. And he's so fo- focused on circumstances and so in bondage to the past, he has no hope. Right? Psalm 42 in the New Living says this, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. How many of you live in the past? How it used to be. Right? You're still living in the past. How it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Oh, how it used to be. It was so good. Those were the good old days. Today, ah, uh, uh, still live in regret. We still got a file cabinet labeled shoulda, woulda, coulda. We're still bummed about how it all turned out. Oh, still shackled, not living in hope, living in hopelessness, right? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then here's the turning point. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Here's the crazy thing. The psalm writer is going down the tank, what we call the rabbit hole. He's stuck in the past. He's remembering all this. He's meditating, rehearsing all the stuff that ever happened to him in his whole life, right? And then suddenly it says this. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart... I will put my hope in God. You know what he does? He confronts himself. He has a come to Jesus moment with him and him alone. He says, dude, wake up. Wake up. Why are you so downcast? Why are you discouraged? Hope in God. Put your hope in God. I love this because this is a sermon that many in this room need to preach to yourself Every day of the week. Why so downcast? Why so downcast? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you so sad? Put your hope in God. You know who can preach that? You. To who? Me. You don't need a podcast. I give you a hint. You don't even need to listen to me this week on the recording. This is a sermon for you to preach to yourself. Why so discouraged? Why so sad? Why so downcast? Put your hope in God. Me, myself, and I. I mean, preach this to yourself. This is what he does. The psalmist wakes himself up out of the stupor he's been in. He's the one that wakes him. Why so downcast? Put your hope in God. You know what he's saying? Hey, in 2019... You have a choice. You have a choice right now. Even before you leave here, you can put your hope in God. Somebody might have come in this door, these doors. I don't know. Maybe you're facing a situation right now, and it's hopeless. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're downcast. Maybe you're very sad. Maybe you're grieved. Maybe there's a hurricane, and you feel like the ship's going to sink. You know what you can do before you leave here? Literally, do what the Bible says. Put your hope in God. 
You can do that. You can. I mean, it's a command. That where it says hope in God, it's a command. You know what that command is in the Greek? Do it now. It's an imperative. It means do it now. What, so if you're not, if you're in this situation and the Bible says it commands us to do it now. So like we said with baptism, why not? Why wouldn't you? What prevents you as you sit here this morning from putting your hope in God? Honestly, you. You prevent you. You're the only one preventing you, right? Psalm 71:14. I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Here's the thing. You saw it in Psalm 42 and you see it in here. There is a direct link between hope in God and praise. If your heart isn't welling up in praise, you've got to ask yourself, where's your hope? There's, they're connected. They're connected. Look at that. I love that verse. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Amen? Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps us faithful. You want to be blessed, according to this? Hope in God. Hope in God, not your 401k. Not your health. Not your job. Not your job security. Right? What's your anchor? Literally. See, part of this, honestly, if you want to get to this place of biblical hope and joy and peace and confidence, you've got to ask yourself, honestly, what are you anchoring your life in? What's your anchor? Really, honestly. You don't really have to tell me that God already knows. And that might be what you're really struggling with, is your real anchor. Is it the person sitting next to you? Size of your bank account? Your retirement? Your medical plan? What's your anchor? What's your real anchor? Right? Psalm 39, 1 through 7. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What are you trusting in? Chariot or horse? What's your chariot or horse? What's your chariot or horse today? Seriously. Most of us, it's ourselves. Just ourself. Psalm Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want perfect peace? Keep your mind stayed on him. Trust him. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Love that. I love that, right? And so this, this anchor, and it's interesting. I thought I, I did a little research on an anchor. And if you notice, anchors have chains. And that's intentional, right? It's not just a rope tied to an anchor. Anchors actually have chains, and the chains serve a purpose, right? So if you see, there's anchors, and they have chains. And this chain serves a purpose. One, when it's cha- because it's weighted, it helps set the anchor faster. Two, because it's weighted, the anchor goes horizontal and stays set. Three, because it's chain and it's metal, it prevents chafing and abrasion of the rope. And so what we talk about here about the Bible, about knowing God and his character and his promises, what we're trying to do, guys, is we're trying to put the chains 
in your life. God's word is a link. Prayer is a link. God's character is a link. Knowing God's promises, it's a link. It's all designed to keep the anchor Jesus in your life set firm. So whatever's happening on your, to your ship above, the anchor doesn't move. Amen? That's what we do here over and over, year in, year out. We just stay pretty much on the chain. We're just trying to get the chain set in your life. That's what we're doing. Right? I love this quote by Ann Ortland. Parts of your life will be good, maybe even wonderful. Parts of your life will be bad, maybe awful. Don't fix your eyes too much on any of it. If you look too much at the good, you'll get cocky. If you look too much at the bad, you'll get defeated. Anyway, what's good today may be bad tomorrow. And what's bad today may be wonderful tomorrow. Nowhere does the Bible say to put your hope in life improvement. You'd spend your days in fear of disappointment. Hope in God. Fix your eyes on him and let him give you what he wants to. For you, it will all turn out to be good. What's your anchor? What's your anchor? Where are you fixing your eyes, right? We know that our hope is in Jesus. We know the resurrection, right? It's a link. The resurrection is a link. Jesus is a link. We know that he sympathizes. He, gets, he knows our weaknesses, right? And then it says this. It's, it's, it's really interesting. In Romans 5.5, 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. You know what I was thinking to this week? So I, was, I think it says here, now hope does not disappoint. Right? Doesn't mean, it mean, what that means is you're not going to be embarrassed, put to shame because of unfulfilled promises. But I wonder if some of us struggled with biblical hope because we still struggle and we still remember and rehearse all the disappointments in our life. All the broken promises. Maybe you're still disappointed in, and you fill in the blank, the person's name. Maybe you're disappointed in how you were raised. Maybe you're disappointed in your financial condition. Maybe you're disappointed in all the broken promises in your life. And you know what, honestly? Maybe this morning you're disappointed in you. And that just makes it real hard. Once again, okay, now he's talking about hoping for the future. Well, gosh, I tried to hope. And look what happened to my family. Look what happened to my job. I had my hope in my career, and they laid me off. They fired me. I had my hope in my good health, and I got sick. I had my hope in this. I had my hope in that. And this person bailed on me. They said they would never leave me, but they did. Maybe for some of us right now, you're struggling with biblical hope because you're afraid of being disappointed again. You're just scared because that hurt. It hurt like nothing else hurt when that person just went under. It hurt like nothing else. It just ripped you to shreds when you felt that pain of disappointment. And along comes Romans 5, 5 and says, hey, by the way, here's the thing. Biblical hope doesn't disappoint. Woo, that's a big faith step for some. And I'm being very sensitive because I've been there and I know broken promises and I know betrayal and I know all of this kind of stuff in my own life. And so to gear up and say, okay, God, you want me to rest fully in your hope? That's a heartbeater for me. 
as long as I focus on me. But if I take my eyes off of me and I remember, oh wait, God can't lie. God doesn't change. His word is true. If I take it off of me, then I'm, willing, I'm able and I'm willing to put my faith that he won't disappoint, that his hope does not disappoint. So maybe this morning, ask yourself, are you still rehearsing all the disappointments in your life, even with yourself? Are you willing and are you ready this morning to be free? To be free, to be forward-looking based on God's biblical hope. Are you free to let the past be the past? Are you just free to stop living with everything you're remembering about the past? You've got to let it go if you're going to experience abounding joy and hope. Because as believers, I've got to be honest with you, we're looking forward. We're looking forward. 2020, this country is going to go crazy with the political situation. The big picture doesn't matter because I'm looking to heaven. Now, it's going to impact us on a lot of different levels. I'm not saying you don't vote. I'm not saying you don't search the scriptures. But here's the deal. In the big picture, my hope is not on who the next president is. My hope is my confident expectation that right now, my name is written in the book of life. And whoever the next president is, ain't changing that. Amen? That's where we have to live. That's where we need to live. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So what is it today you need to throw off? What is it that's hindering you? What is it? In verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The image is that runner who fixes their eyes at the end, right? I love this. Don't look at the past, right? It, it's, it's to have no distractions. So question today, what's distracting you away from Jesus? What's distracting you? Entertainment, sports, movies, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, husband, wife, kids. What's distracting you away from being fixed on Jesus? And here's the thing. There's a choice. It's just a choice. Corey Ten Boom, her family helped Jews and the Dutch underground during World War II. Eventually, Corey Ten Boom and his family was arrested by the Nazis. She lost her sister, her brother, and her nephew in the concentration camps. This is what Corey Ten Boom says. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Where are you looking today? Where are you looking today? Who's the anchor? Who's the anchor, right? Are you looking forward? Or are you rehearsing and remembering all the past? Biblical help looks forward. And that forward-looking confidence helps you and I deal with whatever we're going to face when we walk out these doors. Because here's the deal, guys. The world is waiting. It's already waiting. Some of you have emails and texts already waiting on your phones. Some of you might get some bad news before you leave this, before you drive out of here. It's already there. The world didn't stop for the last hour and 17 minutes. Question is, have you changed in the last hour and 17? Because you can. Amen? 
that's you. You, whatever is waiting for you on your email, whatever is, whatever is going to blow up your phone, whatever happens before you put your bed down, your head on your pillow tonight, it doesn't matter if you live in biblical hope. Confident expectation. Anchored in Jesus, right? I came across this, this phrase, and I love, I love this. We're talking about here hope, not hype. Hope, not hype. You see, a lot of churches, and, you know, I'd be careful about this because I, I know their intentions. We can get you here and we can hype you. We can get you all hyped up. Just crank the music, do a little thing, get your clap in, right? Pyrotechnics. We can get you all hyped. Woohoo! Rah rah for Jesus, right? We do all kinds of stuff to get you hyped. Hype, hype, hype. Let's get you hyped, right? You come here and everyone gets hyped and you want a little shot in the arm. Every Sunday, hey, you got to go 10 o'clock, man. I leave 10 o'clock, I leave there at 1130 and I'm hyped for Jesus. I'm hyped. And then you got to come Tuesday to get hyped. And you got to come to youth group to get hyped. And you need to go to the women's tea to get hyped. And you need to go to men's group to get hyped. And we're not even called the well anymore. We're called the hypers. See? We're about hope, not hype. And here's the crazy thing. If you live your life based on biblical hope, you get hyped. Amen? See, biblical hope leads to biblical hype. When you're like, Lord, you don't lie. Lord, you don't change. Lord, I'm your child. Lord, everything in my life will work for the good. See, that leads to praise the Lord. You see, hope leads to hype. And it's just a choice. It's just a choice. Everyone in this room, everyone listening, Wherever you're listening to this, driving in your car, wherever you are. It's just a choice you and I make every day. Every day. And here's the thing. You know, sometimes afterwards, after services or during the week, people say, hey, dude, you're pretty crazy up there on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, huh? Because if, if you know me out of here on Sundays, I'm kind of like actually pretty, pretty not like this. And uh, here's the thing. I share this to say this. I'm no different than you. I've got file drawers full of disappointments. I've got file drawers full of remembering the good old days and, how it, and all my regrets and all my remorse. I'm no different than you. Every day I wake up and I'm like, Lord, you know, I got five kids, got a wife, I got my own financial obligations, I got my own health issues. I, I got the same stuff you do. It's no different. It's no different. So I just, I, I make the same choice you make to live in biblical hope. I really do. And I honestly get genuinely excited about it because... It's not just my J-O-B. It's not just my tile around here. This is just me. I have decided at some point that, you know, my Bible, electronic, this is God's word. And it's truth. And I have staked my eternity on this. I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't care what people think. They're answerable, answerable to God, not me. I'm all in on this. So when God says his hope doesn't disappoint, 
When God says, my name's written in the book of life, when God says all things work for my good, when God says he'll never leave me nor forsake me, when God says, and God says, and God says, and God says, you know what, I just believe it. I just drove the stake in the ground and I believe it. I just do. I just do. And it gives me a privilege up here on Sundays to kind of express it. And sometimes it's kind of crazy and I know it's off the wall and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of like, Lord, I should probably tell them I'm no different than them. Just ask my family sitting here. They've seen me at my worst. I'm no different. I just choose the same choice that's before you. Hope in God. Put your hope in God. That's just a choice we can all make. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for the incredible example of the Apostle Paul in the midst of a hurricane. You spoke and you told him what was going to happen, and he believed. And his belief manifested itself in how he conducted himself in the midst of the storm. He trusted you. He trusted your word, and we saw that it came out just as you said it would. And then we see the psalmist in Psalm 42, Lord, mired in the past, remembering all the past. And then the psalmist says, hey, 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 why so downcast? Why so sad? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And Lord, that's been my prayer for whoever was going to be sitting in these chairs this morning. That if they're bound by what they remember, if they're, if they're fearful of being disappointed again, Lord, if their anchor isn't in Jesus, I pray that this morning they would choose before they leave here to put their hope in God. And for some, for the first time, that's you putting your faith in Jesus. So just put your faith in Jesus. Just believe. Believe on Jesus as much as you believe in that chair you're sitting in. Rest fully in Jesus' finished work for you personally as Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, the hurricanes that we're facing right now, many people sitting in this room, I pray they would rest, as much as they're resting in that chair, rest in you. That their confidence and their hope will be in you, the anchor of their soul. So as we sing these songs, I pray for you. Have this time with God. Be honest, be transparent. What's the anchor? What's the anchor? And tell God, if you need to, confess. Confess to God. He already knows, but confess it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me because you haven't been the anchor. Forgive me for living in the past. Lord, today, right now, I choose, I exercise my will in putting my hope in you. I want to live with confident expectation of the good that you will bring into my life as your child.